to Kainga Ora, which shut its shared home ownership programme at the end of September, just six weeks after having expanded it. The first home partner programme helps buyers who don't have enough of a deposit by paying up to a maximum of 25% of the purchase price of the house or $200,000, whichever was lower. Applicants needed to have at least a 5% deposit. Now, Kainga Ora had six weeks earlier expanded the programme from new build properties to include existing houses as well. And they declined to be interviewed on the topic this morning, stating that the current political landscape made it inappropriate for it to be speaking on government policy. A spokesperson did say, though, the change to include existing homes led to a 450% increase in the number of applications it had received, and that meant the scheme had been fully subscribed. Applications from people who have applied and not yet been confirmed as eligible won't go any further into the scheme, at the start of this month, Kainga Ora said it had settled on 560 properties, contributing an average of almost $161,000. Its average slice of ownership is just above 20%. Well, Stuart Wills has experienced using the Kainga Ora Partner Programme. He's been a mortgage broker for 25 years and operates mortgage managers out of Auckland. He's also set up a popular Facebook page, Kiwi First Home Buyers Group to promote discussion amongst buyers. He's with us in the Auckland studio this morning. Kia ora, good morning. Good morning. So tell us a bit about this programme, first of all, that Kainga Ora had. And what was it used for? I guess it's it's trying to get over that hurdle of the deposit. Yeah, so it's, it's a shared ownership. So Kainga Ora takes some ownership in the property. Um, and I guess the perception was always that it was the, about the deposit, but in some ways it also was about the affordability, the income part of the equation. Um, it helped first-time buyers that couldn't necessarily afford a total mortgage on the house they needed. So if you took one hundred or 200000 out of the equation, they could then afford it. Okay, so how then did the financials of it stack up and work? Well, it was quite, it was quite interesting because New Zealand's a little bit unique in the fact that the shared ownership scheme, there was no cost to the homeowner on an ongoing basis to have that money. So if you had 200000 there, it just really meant that you didn't have to, to pay the mortgage or the interest on the 200000 Um Ultimately, you paid when you bought the share back off Kaingora, but that was down the track normally. So, so from, from an affordability point of view, it helped. So it didn't have interest accruing on it? No interest. No. So some of the private ones have what they call an equity margin or an equity fee which is like interest. Um, some of the overseas ones, they sort of call it rent. Um, so you might have a low interest component to it. But the one we had in New Zealand had no interest at all. Now, this programme was launched in October 2021. Um, didn't get much attention or interest, though. Why was that? Well, I, th- I personally think that Kainga Aura had the programme, but they probably didn't have a marketing budget for it. So they didn't really tell anyone about it. Um, the banks, there's only two banks that used it. So we had BNZ and Westpac. And again, even within their branch networks, they probably didn't talk about it a lot. It was it was just a specialised little component that they had. Um, so it really just didn't, people didn't know about it. The first home buyers, it was pretty hard for them to find out about it. Um, if they banked with ANZ or ASB, obviously those banks didn't have access to it. So they're not going to be talking about it too much. 
um, and it wasn't available through the advisor network, so none of the mortgage advisors were really talking about it much either. Do you know why it was offered in that sort of way? Personally, no. <laughs> um, it was a little bit interesting. I guess talking to the, the people at Westpac and um, BNZ, they believed it was quite a complex product, and that's that was their reasoning for not giving it to the advisor network. Um, when we did start getting it uh, earlier this year, it's not actually too complex. Um, so I don't think that was the actual real reason, but that was what we were told. Okay, so the money did come with some strings attached. What are you able to talk us through on some of those? Yes, yeah, so I guess the biggest thing is that Coingora are taking a shared partnership approach. So they're, they're taking some ownership in the property. Um, the the buyer or the owner of the house has to buy that back out off them, and it was up to 15 years. So, And you had to buy it at the market rate at the time you were actually buying it. So if you purchase the house today, but you didn't actually buy it off them, say, in 10 years' time, the expectation was the house price would have increased, and therefore to buy that share back off them is going to cost you quite a bit more. Um, so that's probably the biggest negative of any shared ownership scheme. Um, but on the other side, it means you get into a house where otherwise you'd still be renting. Were the existing houses that became part of the scheme, were they ones that people were able to, not exactly necessarily pick and choose, but were there any kind of constraints around which of the existing homes would be available? Yes. Um, so when they announced it, the policy wasn't that clear, but it came back to us later that week they, they, um, when they started. And the constraints were that you needed to have a registered valuation on the property, which is fine. That just confirms that you're not paying too much. You needed to have a building report on the property, and that had to have less than $5,000 worth of maintenance needed. And I guess that's fine as well, because nobody wants to be going into a property that needs a lot of money spent on it if you don't have that money. Um, and so put those two together, you had to get it approved by Kaingora. Um, and one of the things is it had to be a suitable type house for the, the family situation. So they're not going to give a single person a four-bedroom house because it ties up a mm. lot more money. Um, mm. that, yeah. Okay. Were you able to, or were the buyers able to ascertain from the building report and that kind of thing, how much work may or may not be uh, needing to be required to do on the property? Because often, you know, you think you're just going to do a small thing to a house and you open up and you find all sorts of surprises. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it, it's a bit of a challenge because different people that do building reports will present them differently. So some might have what the costs are. Some might just say, hey, you now need to go and get quotes and that type of thing done. So it did make the process at times a little bit slow, especially with older houses, because you may have to get a building report and highlighted there's a problem with the roof. The building report person is not a roofer, so you have to go get a quote from a specialist on that. So. Mm. Mm. Okay, so, I mean, it sounds on the surface at least like this was a pretty good option for people who didn't necessarily have a huge amount of deposit but were able to pay ongoing rent or mortgage. Yeah, yeah, no, it, and it really filled a gap because um, there just weren't that many or there aren't that many options out there for people that don't have the deposit at the moment. 
Okay, so what now? <laughs> well, it's interesting because I actually think it it got really, really popular, not necessarily because it was the best product in the market for the people, but because the other products weren't there. So if you look at it and you go, the Reserve Bank requires the, the trading banks to limit how much low deposit lending they do. Then Kainga Aura also have a product called the First Home Loan Scheme, which does from low deposit stuff from 5%, but it's got a lot of restrictions in that product with income and a, and a few other things. Um, and therefore, a lot of people who didn't, didn't fit that category were looking for something else, and that's where First Home Partner became the only option in some cases. And so people jumped at it, not necessarily because of the shared ownership, but because of the low deposit. Mm. So now, uh, you know, obviously we've just had the election, change of government. <laughs> yes. um, is this scheme likely to continue? Do you think it would be a good idea if it, if it was able to continue? Definitely think it's a good idea to continue it. Um, probably needs a little bit of a refocus. And the refocus should not be just on first-home partner. It should be on the first-home loans, maybe the first-home grant as well. Um, which are all provided by Koenga Aura, and the sort of that's their menu of first-time buyer products. Um, it it certainly fits well for the people that need it, but like I said earlier, it's probably more about the income and the not not having the ability to get a mortgage of the size they need for the house they need, rather than just it shouldn't be just about the deposit. Mm. Are there other ways? to skin this particular cat, I suppose, other ways to do it. Um, perhaps along the lines of the Tamaki regeneration project between Auckland Council and government, is that something that perhaps is a model that could be looked at as well? Yeah, so even before First Time Partner came out, there's been, there's been shared ownership models in the past, often where the government might own the land, and then so the people are buying the house first and they buy the land later. So... That works okay on new builds where government owns the land, but I guess that government land or government or council-owned land is becoming less and less. So I think it still is a good idea to have it as a more sort of commercial approach, I guess, and there are a couple of commercial people to do it. Um, there's a company called You Own that's been around for a while, and then there's another called Era that's coming out. So they're actually doing it as a business, and I guess that's where they're kind of already and not taking the business approach, they're saying it's, let's put this $200 million into it, and it's treated more like a grant, where possibly that should be treated more like a, a loan or an investment into the, pro, into the process, because they will get a return on it over time. So whereabouts does this kind of order programme, whether or not it continues, where does it sit, I, I suppose, compared to some of these other tools, these other initiatives that are available to some first home buyers? Yeah, so I, th I think the whole thing needs a little bit of a revamp. And I think the first home loans should be the first option for most people to look at because first home loans means you can buy a property with a low deposit, but you have to be able to afford the mortgage. And there's a few little rules in that that need to be adjusted in that to make it more accessible to a wider range of people. But I think if they could fix that problem, then first home partner would be a good alternative for those people that can't afford that to pay a big mortgage. Um, and I also don't necessarily think it has to be 25% to 200,000. You know, if they'd made it 100,000, they would have been able to do twice as many. 
not to the same degree, but, but mm. it would have helped a lot more people. Yes, I suppose as well. Um, you know, the situation with cost of living, with inflation, with interest rates as high as they are, and perhaps um, turning the corner on house prices. What do you see as being the landscape out there for not even necessarily first home buyers, but for, for people who potentially are needing to or wanting to buy a house or, or to trade up? Yeah, well, I think the interest rates are certainly the big one for most people. You know, we were talking of interest rates around the 3 and 4% not that long ago. The banks were using what they call a test rate of about 6.5% then to make sure they could afford it. Interest rates have gone up quite substantially, and the test rates have gone up to about 9, 9.5% with most banks now. So even if people look at it and go, I can afford this house, from the bank's perspective, they go, no, you can't, you mm. know, not, not at that rate. Yeah, because that's the thing. You know, I suppose you do have to potentially be able to have that kind of headroom in your, you know, in your accounts or in your financials. But have we got to the point where that is beginning to to level out, that perhaps the interest rates won't go that much higher? Personally, again, it's like we can never predict 100%, but personally, I think we are at the sort of the top. Um, it might go up a little bit more but it could easily come down. Um, I don't think anybody's talking about huge increases in the in the near term. Um, and I guess that that depends on where we borrow the money from as a country. But yeah, I, th- I think we're pretty much at the top. Um, it's added a bit of confidence back into the property market. So that I guess the risk is now that the property prices will start escalating quickly. Mm. Yes, I suppose that is the thing that could well happen. Um, it's not what you came in to talk about, but I'm, and I'm curious, though, uh, to get your sense of of this foreign buyers tax that National, of course, proposed during the election campaign on houses over $2 million. What What is your um, sense of what is going to happen there with the, the sort of the push and pull around that? Yeah, I, I honestly, I don't think it's going to affect first-time buyer market at all because... Like you said, it's it's on properties over $2 million. Um, there's very few first-home buyers that are going to be playing in that market. Um, yeah, so I'd, I, don't, I don't see that as a, as a threat at all to the first-home mm. buyer market at all. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Well, look, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate you talking to us this morning on 9 to Noon. That is Stuart Wills uh, operates mortgage managers in Auckland. And we were talking there mainly about this Kainga Ora partner programme. Be interesting to see what finally does happen with that. Uh, as we said a little bit earlier on, uh, Kainga Ora chose not to come on 9 to Noon this morning. But in a statement, uh, it said it will continue to process sale and purchase agreements from people it had already accepted into that scheme. Uh, As of October the 5th, it had committed almost $135 million out of the $194 million of funding set aside for the First Home Partner Programme. Kainga Ora says applications will not be continued if they expire and that eligibility does expire after six months. The Tomaki Regeneration Programme is the other shared home ownership programme of note in New Zealand and you can hear our interview uh, on that with Chief Executive, uh, Chief Executive rather Shelley Katai from May earlier this year. If you go to our website rnz.co.nz slash 9 to noon uh, or take a search uh, at the search engine 